Hello everybody, this sermon continues our series looking at the book of Acts. Today we have reached Acts chapter 14 and we are learning how to handle hardship. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 22 stood out by a mile to me as I reflected on this passage this week. It's so honest and true to life. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The Greek word translated many in this verse does not just denote quantity, but variety as well. In other words, Christians will not sail through life with consummate ease. Rather, we will struggle with difficult hardships of many different kinds. We have discovered this over the last five months. Just being a Christian has not made us immune to the coronavirus. Many believers have got sick and died right across the world. Although we've not had the virus in such a way on Isla, people within our church have suffered financially, and none of us have been spared the anxiety, isolation or disruption to our routines. As Christians, then, we are affected by tragedy and disaster just as much as the rest of the world are. Yet this verse seems to go further still. It implies that alongside the suffering caused by us just living in a broken world, sometimes we will struggle precisely because we are believers. There are temptations that we will face. There is opposition that we will encounter. There is a costliness to our stand for Christ. And this is not just an isolated verse in this regard. The whole of the Bible confirms this reality. How can we expect anything else when we have set out to be obedient to the crucified Messiah? And Jesus himself called us to carry our own cross. The Bible also speaks of times of trial as a refiner's fire purifying our faith. At other points it speaks of storing up treasure in heaven and setting our minds on things above. Because actually, down here, we will know toil and struggle. We will be asked to give things up for God and the benefit of others. Far from being a life of constant pleasure then, the Christian life is guaranteed to contain difficulty. Our experiences of pain are not always our fault. Bad things do happen to good people. Now that is a very solemn note to begin any sermon on, but there is a flip side to the coin. As we read in Acts 14 of all the hardships that the early church went through, we are left in no doubt as to how important they deemed the gospel to be. There is just no way they would have put themselves in harm's way again and again if they didn't think their message was worth it. That they had the hope of the world, the good news that every single person needed to hear. Take Paul, for example. In this passage, he has to flee for his life from Iconium and is stoned and left for dead in Lystra. And yet still he travels on, 
first to Derby and then to Antioch, preaching about Jesus. Now, this is the same Paul who just a short time previous was traveling the land, imprisoning and putting followers of Jesus to death. Yet here he is suffering alongside Christians and encouraging them to hold on to Jesus through their hardships. When we read passages like Acts 14, then we should find that our faith is reaffirmed. What else could have turned Paul from persecuting zealot to suffering martyr other than meeting the risen Lord Jesus for himself? What else could have turned his opposition to such devoted service? Passages like this one show us that the events of the Damascus Road are not a fairy tale, but really happened. The risen Lord Jesus met with Saul and completely turned his life around. That means he can do the same for us today. Because Jesus is alive, he can forgive our mistakes. He can heal and restore us. He can give us purpose and passion. He can help us in times of great distress. And ultimately, one day, his kingdom will come in full. And the hardships of the present will be over for good. So when we hear Paul's words that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, we are to reflect on both these things. As Christians, we will encounter hardship. We must be ready for it and ready to help each other. But ultimately, God's kingdom is such good news that it makes the trials of the present all worthwhile. Again, there is much that could be said about this chapter. But as we read it during the current crisis, I want us to focus on the clues it gives on how to handle hardship well. There are four things for us to notice, and they all begin with the letter C. The first piece of advice we can take when facing hardship is to use our common sense. Having begun this sermon by stating that as Christians we can expect to face difficulty, sometimes directly because of our faith, it is important to now distinguish that there is a difference between faith and foolhardiness. Paul and Barnabas travelled to Iconium and as ever they went straight to the synagogue to start speaking about Jesus. Initially they had great success. We read of the Holy Spirit backing up their teaching with signs and wonders and as a result many Jews and Gentiles come to faith. But alongside the success, very quickly opposition begins to arise. Some Jews refused to believe, and even some Gentiles saw Paul and Barnabas as troublemakers. By verse 5, we read that there was a plot afoot to ill-treat them and even stone them to death. Fortunately, friends of Paul and Barnabas discovered the plot, advised them of it, and Paul and Barnabas were soon hot-footing it to Lystra, where they continued to preach the good news. Now, we don't often think of the early church fleeing difficulty, do we? We think of Paul and John carrying on their ministry even after imprisonment. We think of Stephen making his martyr's stand. 
Clearly, at specific moments, God does call his people to make the ultimate sacrifice. But that is not the case in every situation. On this occasion, the wisest thing for Paul and Barnabas to do was to move on. By saving their lives, the gospel could be spread further afield. This does not mean that Paul and Barnabas were cowards. We see that plainly enough in the boldness of their ongoing work. Rather, in times of hardship, they use their God-given common sense. As Christians today, we could take the attitude that God will protect us from the virus, so we should not bother taking any precautions and we can ignore all safety advice. Not only is that selfish, as it endangers others, but it is stupid. Wearing a mask is not denying God's wonderful breathing system, it is protecting it. It is using our common sense. Likewise, it is right that we have opened the church again. As we meet and worship in public, we are proclaiming our hope for all on Isla to see. But as we do so, we will follow all the government guidance on one-way systems, hand sanitising and no singing. This, of course, applies to all situations, not just this virus. As Christians, we will experience hardship, but we're not to actively go and look for it. Neither are we to be ignorant or foolhardy, as that doesn't create a good witness either. When hardship comes, we are to use our common sense and act as wisely as we can. The second piece of advice that this passage gives on facing hardship is that we are to go on showing compassion to others. One of the worst things we can do when facing a trial is close up and turn in on ourselves. Wallowing in self-pity is never a constructive response for us or anyone else. It is much better for us to count our blessings and try to remember that often there are many people who are in a worse position than we are. After fleeing from Iconium, Paul and Barnabas find themselves in Lystra. There they could have hidden away and licked their wounds and no one would have blamed them. But that is not what they did at all. As they walked through the streets, they saw a man lame from birth. And as they looked at him, they knew God wanted to do something about it. So in verses 8 to 10, they went over to him, spoke to him and enabled God's healing to come into his life. This great act of compassion, coupled with the Spirit's power, caught the attention of the crowd and created the opportunity for them to again speak about God. We today are to do the same. Yes, many of us are struggling at this time. Yes, we are nervous about approaching other people. But if we see an opportunity to help someone in need, we should have the courage to take it. What acts of compassion could we do this week? Well, I know many of us are doing them already, but let's keep going with the phone calls, the shopping trips, the encouraging cards and emails, the prayer and the offers of practical assistance. By having compassion towards others, we put our own hardships into perspective. We will also discover opportunities for sharing the gospel, even when we least expected them. 
So we are to use our common sense and we're to keep showing compassion. The third piece of advice this passage gives us is that we are to concentrate on the Creator. After Paul and Barnabas have healed the lame man, there is a great furore in the crowd. They are astounded by what they have seen and they know that they must respond to it. But initially, they get their praise all wrong. The patron god of Lystra at the time was Zeus. The people were used to sacrificing at his altar and seeking the aid of other Greek gods and idols as well. So it was only natural for them to attribute this miracle to Zeus. And indeed, even his priest from the temple comes to lead the people in their devotions. Paul and Barnabas quickly have to put this right. There is only one God. And this miracle has been done to show the people that by turning to Zeus, they were looking for assistance in their lives in the wrong place. Let's listen again to what Paul and and Barnabas began shouting to the crowds in verses 15 to 17, for it's important. Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless idols to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Can you see what they are doing here? They are directing the people away from Zeus to the one living God. The God that they know and that has just performed this miracle with the lame man through them. This God is the creator of everything that exists. He has the power to form the heavens and the earth, so he has the power to heal. He loves his people so much, he sends rain to provide plenty of food for all. He is the God who combines sovereignty and majesty with kindness. Zeus cannot help you, nor any other idol. They're all worthless. But get to know this God and you will experience joy in your hearts. Now, obviously, this ministry was tailored to that specific situation in Lystra, but the message of it is just as important for us today. As we face hardships in life, as we struggle on through this current crisis, we're to concentrate our full attention on the creator God. He made us, he loves us, and he wants to bring us through our trials. Turn to him and he will use his power and provision to help us. How do we do this? Well, we concentrate on God by making the effort to think about him every day. We set time aside at home to read our Bibles and to pray. We listen to worship music and sing hymns. When we are cast down, we are to lift our eyes up. Don't concentrate on what is disturbing us. Concentrate on the creator God who can overcome it. If we do this, we too will find the resources that we need. We may even be surprised to discover joy when everything around us is so depressing. The final piece of advice that this passage gives on handling hardship is to seek out the church. 
Who is it that immediately comes to Paul's aid when he is stoned by the crowd in Lystra? It is the church. Verse 20 tells us that the disciples gather around him, get him up and take him to safety. Maybe it is because of this that after a short stint away preaching in Derby, Paul returns to Lystra, the place of his ordeal, to encourage the faithful. Indeed, Paul and Barnabas return to all the young churches they've set up to offer their help and assistance in this time of need. It is clear then that the church comes to Paul's rescue and that Paul then invests his life in building up the church so it might do the same for many others. There are many things we learn about the church in the final verses of our passage. It's a place of teaching, leading people to find hope in God. It's a place of prayer where believers bring each other's needs before the Lord. It's a place of organisation with elders set apart to ensure everything works well, to get help where it is required. It is a place of personal testimony as believers urge each other on. And it is a place of fellowship. I love the last line where it says that after their journey, Paul and Barnabas stayed with the disciples for a long time. The church is clearly a place to draw strength and comfort from, a place to give and receive, so that standing together, the community of disciples walk through their hardships together. Paul and Barnabas needed this just as much as anyone else. I really want to encourage us all in this regard. If you are facing hardship, if life is difficult for you, don't stay away from church. That is always the temptation, but it makes things worse. Instead, seek the church out. Get people to pray with you. Allow others to help. Ask for advice and practical assistance. When we suffer, we tend to think that isolating ourselves will help. But actually, after the initial rawness of emotion has resided, companionship is always better. At church, we are here for each other, and it should always be the case. I know that I have certainly found your prayers, phone calls and emails so helpful through the last five months, and I know that many of you have found the same. So here we finish. We began with the honest recognition that Christians are not immune from hardship. Sometimes it will even be a direct consequence of our faith. That did not deter the early church and it should not deter us. Because in the risen Lord Jesus, we have the hope of salvation for the entire world. Instead, we should learn how to handle hardship well. This will involve using our common sense showing compassion to others in need, concentrating on our creator God and seeking out the support of the church. May we all learn these things and put them into practice as we carry on our journey of faith together.